Good evening and welcome to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLivingLoco and follow our podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, be sure to follow and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, and the Megaphone app. Subscribing is free and keeps you up to date on the latest and greatest in Winnipeg Jets news and analysis. On tonight's episode, we're going to be recapping what happened in the Edmonton Oilers and Winnipeg Jets game. This one, a road game, uh, pretty pivotal for the Jets, but obviously over the past couple of hours, this game has kind of taken a backseat to a lot of other stuff that's been going on. I'm going to be talking about that other stuff because there's a very good chance that I think come tomorrow, the NHL is not going to be having much more hockey beyond whatever games are slated to be played if they even play tomorrow. So there's a lot to unpack including the implications for the rest of the season, really the rest of the world, and just a lot of stuff going on. But before we dive into the really heavy stuff, let's talk about how the Jets did against the Oilers. In the first period, Winnipeg and Edmonton played a pretty fast-paced game, but I feel like Winnipeg, after a couple of early stumbles, really put forth a great strong period where they were kind of outplaying Edmonton by a fair margin. Winnipeg was controlling the pace of play, but unfortunately it took them a while before they actually got anywhere near the central slot area. The Jets were constantly shooting from the point and trying to get a lot of tips and deflections in against uh, Mike Smith, a guy who just recently had shut them out after the Jets basically dominated Edmonton and outshot them by a huge margin. Smith had robbed the Jets multiple times in that game, and tonight Smith looked pretty decent again. He did have a couple of, uh, I guess, sloppy rebounds that I wouldn't be thrilled about if I were his head coach, but... Overall, he seemed to be tracking the puck well. I think his timing and reads were all right. He just looked a little bit shaky and unstable. Unfortunately for the Jets, it wasn't quite what you would hope. For all of Winnipeg's efforts, they could not seem to get an actual chance right in front that they could score on. They had a couple of opportunities from the side of the net or on some some near breakaways and things like that, but generally speaking, the Jets just couldn't quite find that one pass or the one shot to really put Smith in trouble. Hellebuck wasn't overly busy until a little bit towards the end of the the first period. He didn't really have that much work to do in general, but Edmonton did start to push a little late, and then in the start of the second period, he had a bit of a boo-boo where he was trying to play the puck, and of course, Hellebuck playing the puck is not really a great thing. When, When Hellebuck plays the puck, usually bad things happen because he's not that good at it, and most goalies really aren't. They say that they're goal playing pucks like uh, Mike Smith, but that's really a falsehood. I think that goalies just handling the puck in general, especially when under pressure, not really the situation you want, and Hellebuck made a mistake and it ends up in the back of the net. Admittedly a bit deflating, but I mean this kind of crap happens and, you know, Hellebuck has done this before, it's ended up in the back of the net, so you would think that he'd probably get better at trying just to leave the puck and not come out of his net to play it, but sometimes he just seems to have this desire to be involved in the play. Sometimes I'm just like, bro, stay in your net. It's not that big of a deal. Let your defenders or your forwards deal with it. And obviously our our jet skaters aren't so good at doing that sometimes, but I think it's probably a safer bet than whatever Hellebuck tends to do with the puck. After the goal against, it seemed like Edmonton was a lot faster in putting some serious pressure on the Jets. They ended up drawing uh, one or two penalties and put Winnipeg in a real bind. And like, you know, obviously Winnipeg's PK against guys like Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, and Ryan Nugent Hopkins doesn't tend to win well for the Jets. Thankfully, Winnipeg's defense managed to at least corral some of the rebounds that were coming off of Hellebuck and clear them out of the crease. I felt like Edmonton would sort of flash in and flash out around that low slot area. I don't think that they were as good as, like, say, Vegas or or Arizona were, especially at cutting open the slot. 
but they did have a couple of opportunities where they got really close to connecting and scoring. One of the most clear and present opportunities was a shot, I think, that came in. It was on a two-on-one because I think somebody tried to force a pass in the offensive zone at the other end, and it sprang a two-on-one odd man situation that Pionk was the only guy back. Somehow Hellebuck made the initial save, and like this is a stunning save that you know kind of popped off of Hellebuck and was going to go over the goal line, but Pionk ended up swooping in to clear the puck and kept the Jets. I think at this point they'd been tied 1-1. The tying goal had actually come off of a delayed call against Edmonton, and I think Wheeler was trying to do a slap pass or something, and it just ended up in the net because Mike Smith had come out to challenge and also made a bit of a boo-boo. Wouldn't be his first of the game either. Mike Smith again had an issue where he was behind the net towards the end of the second period, and he had actually played the puck and turned it over right to Cody Eakin, which, you know, Cody Eakin had had one or two missed passes or or passes that were actually pretty good ideas and came very close to connecting, just couldn't quite find the lane or the route to get to it. Here, though, he stole the puck from Smith and basically saw Line coming in on the left flank, found the puck. Smith was far off and out that, you know, for Line it's basically a tap-in. Patrick scores, the Jets go up 2-1, everyone's happy. And then Edmonton started to turn up the heat and put a lot of pressure on the Jets. And, like, I think Edmonton is not really that strong of a team, especially with the kind of mediocre forward roster that they have, but anytime Dreisaitl or McDavid or those guys step on the ice, they're always a threat. In the first period, the Jets were actually marking guys like McDavid pretty well, and I think Kulikov illustrated this perfectly with a really well-gapped, well-timed breakup where McDavid was coming in on a rush through the neutral zone and then entered the offensive zone, and Kulikov, with Pionk in support, timed his check perfectly, muscled uh, McDavid off of the puck and kept him to the outside, and broke up the scoring opportunity. That good defense didn't really last, especially towards the end of the second period. And then Pionk and Kulikov unfortunately got a bit embarrassed by a Cassian pass to McDavid, and McDavid cuts in from the outside, drives in behind Pionk and Kulikov, and basically just dekes out Hellebuck and scores. What's really tragic is Hellebuck actually almost made the save, and it would have been jaw-dropping, but it's McDavid. You're generally not going to stop him on a breakaway. The second period ended 2-2. All in all, not a bad period. I think the Jets would be pretty okay with how the overall game went. Winning on the road in Edmonton is not super, super easy. Like, the Oilers aren't a great team, but Mike Smith had already shut them out just a couple of weeks ago. And this is a fairly pivotal game for Winnipeg. Or at least it would be if some things hadn't changed mid-game that the stakes may be not quite as high as you'd expect. But we'll get to that in a bit. Before we go into too much more detail, we're going to talk about how the Jets finished this game and whether or not they could actually pull off the win, especially on the road in a fairly tough environment. You know, Winnipeg doesn't have many opportunities left to, to get points and push for a playoff spot, which they're currently in, but tonight presented a great opportunity to force Edmonton to try and react and, and be a bit more proactive in securing their Pacific Division spot. Anytime Winnipeg can pressure those Pacific Division teams to try and stay above the wildcard spot is good because it means it opens up a slot for the Jets to sneak in. Winnipeg's third period can best be described as Kyle Connor scores in the first minute or so, and the Jets basically stop playing and let Edmonton kind of walk all over them, which is precisely what happened. The Jets got a nice little two-on-one break with Wheeler and Connor, and Wheeler, who has been much better alongside Mark Shifley over the past couple of weeks, ended up giving a perfect feed to Connor, who for once did not miss on a near breakaway. So, all things good there. Unfortunately, the Jets then basically sat back for the entire rest of the game and really flatlined. And uh, it all basically came down to Connor Hellebuck being absolutely unbelievable in net. He has backstopped Winnipeg to victories so many times this season, 
and the Jets were very fortunate that they came out of this with a win without conceding any more goals. That third period was all Edmonton, and I mean, the Oilers had been surging for a significant portion of the game, but the third period, they basically curb-stomped the Jets, which is not surprising, because Winnipeg, when they let off the gas with a lead, tend to surrender a lot of opportunities. Hellebuck, though, who was most certainly our presentive MVP candidate for the Jets, and also the presentive... Vezina winner is also uh, really responsible for just another marvelous, important performance tonight. Here's the thing about this whole situation. Because of the COVID-19 outbreak, you know, the NBA suspended earlier this evening, and the Jets are now in a playoff spot, and the NHL tomorrow has a decision to make. Do they cancel the rest of the season, or do they opt to play more games? Um, And Dora 3 is they cancel the regular season, and all the teams that are currently in playoff spots will advance onto the postseason to be played at a later time. By virtue of the Jets winning tonight and moving into the wildcard spots or consolidating their lead in that spot, I suppose, the Jets are, you know, if everything holds, in a playoff spot for when the postseason resumes, if it actually happens. At this point, there's not really much indication which way the the, uh, NHL is going to go. I think that they put out some suggestions tonight to get a barometer sense of what can they... PR-wise actually pull off without making a bunch of people really angry? And the answer is, no solution that they choose is going to be ideal, but the truth is, they just need to suspend the NHL. There are some basic things about COVID-19 that people don't really seem to understand, and the first is this. Mortality, even though the mortality rate is actually pretty high compared to the flu among the elderly and those with compromised immune systems or other pre-existing conditions, that's not the immediate concern. What happens with coronavirus is because it has a latent way of showing symptoms. Usually there's, you know, anywhere from 5 to 15 days of incubation before it reveals itself and people realize they're actually sick. So there's actually a pretty good article from Medium talking about the fact that there are a lot of people who are actually true cases, but they haven't been tested or diagnosed yet, and they don't even know that they have it because they haven't shown any symptoms. COVID-19 is also very infectious. It seems to transmit very easily from a variety of forms of contact, which means that if a person has an infection and doesn't know it, they could easily transmit it to somebody else within a very short period of time. And this uh, essentially chain of contact can, can infect a ton of people in a very short period of time over a mass locale. The rate of actual infections is significantly higher than what the reported rate is, and we're talking thousands more than what people think it is. Just because there's not a whole lot of testing in the U.S., North America is unfortunately very behind the rest of Asia. Asia has already experienced several recent outbreaks over the past couple of decades, so they're used to to infectious disease control. We've never really encountered a pandemic or anything quite like this. And what will happen is, you know, after the latent symptoms actually start to express themselves, what you then run into is an infrastructure and a system that's not really equipped to treat a bunch of people. COVID-19 is not going to be lethal for the vast majority of patients, but what happens is you will need treatment, and that treatment's going to have to happen at a hospital, and when you go to the hospital, picture an ER room wait that's already very long for most people. Now imagine that you have a sudden surge at the same time of a bunch of people with COVID-19 who can easily transmit it to other patients and spread it around to, you know, fully healthy staff very easily. You're going to have to quarantine the ER, you're going to have to quarantine all of the areas where these people have come into contact, and then you run the risk of simply not having enough medical staff to treat all of your patients. And this is why China went to such extreme lengths in order to shut it down. 
they have a really high population density, but if you've looked at the reported you know, infection rates over the past couple of weeks, they've basically hit at a plateau as, as far as growth rates are concerned. They enacted extreme measures to essentially reduce human contact and thus reduce the, the risk of infection spreading. So I think that the NBA, for instance, shutting down because now they actually have a player who's confirmed to have COVID-19, that is ultimately the right thing to do. A lot of people have COVID-19 and aren't going to know it for several days, if not longer. So, you know, this is a real situ serious situation, and I think that the NHL needs to follow suit. I think that they're going to suspend tomorrow. I don't know if they're even going to have a playoff uh, series over the next couple of months. I wouldn't be surprised if the season just totally ended. You know, we've never experienced a pandemic in this lifetime. Our infrastructure is not equipped to handle the strain of treating a bunch of people, plus all of the workforce impacts that it'll have across offices all around the U.S. Every industry is probably going to be impacted in some way, and pro sports, you know, they are important for our entertainment, of course, but certainly the, the value of human lives is always, always, always going to take precedence, and it should never be the other way around. Obviously, none of us wants to see a suspension of hockey because we all love the sport, but let's be honest, the NHL needs to be more proactive than it's showing it is right now and shut down the rest of the season, at least until we can figure out what exactly this containment plan is going to be. I myself have had to cancel some of my, you know, concert and travel arrangements because, let's be honest, COVID-19 is a serious threat and people are underestimating it badly right now. The fact that more pro leagues are, are starting to say that they need to examine their schedule or are even reporting infections. You know, Tom Hanks also just got infected. He and his wife, Rita, have also been uh, positively tested. I think that this is going to be a much more daily reality, and people are going to find out that, in fact, you're not safe from COVID-19, and this is going to be something that we're just going to have to live with over the next several weeks, if not months. A vaccine for COVID-19 is a far away distant thing at this point. We barely know its full physiological impacts on the body, too. There's a lot of unknowns, and I think that, you know, ultimately the safest route in this case is just to exercise as much caution as possible and call off the rest of the season. It it sucks, but I think that, that you know, when you're dealing with a public health crisis, uh, a novel virus that you've never seen before, you just have to accept that there are extreme measures that you need to take. Before we close this podcast out, I just wanted to give you a quick heads up that if you are a local Winnipeg business, you've probably heard about some of the great advertisers currently working with Locked On to reach sports fans around the world. What you may not know is that Locked On Winnipeg Jets is a great way for your business to reach passionate Jets fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your local company the unique ability to reach Jets fans on a routine basis. Our listeners are hardcore Jets fans who have a great passion for their team and love supporting local businesses. If your company wants to connect with Jets fans who are predominantly male, with disposable income, and well-educated, then feel free to drop us a line at Locked On Podcasts. Local fans love supporting local businesses, and we love supporting you. Text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcasts.com slash advertising for more information. Our team will work with you step-by-step -step to achieve the greatest level of Locked On advertising success. Once again, be sure to text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcasts.com slash advertising. We hope to hear from you soon. I kind of want to switch gears a bit because I think in light of everything that's happened, you know, at this point, NHL hockey is kind of a peripheral concern for me. I kind of want to share some thoughts about the whole coronavirus because I feel like I've had conversations with folks who are hockey fans, and a lot of them don't really seem to take it that seriously. I think the general consensus is, oh, this is going to pass just like, swine flu and SARS and all of this st other stuff where, you know, the U.S. really wasn't nearly as impacted as people 
thought it could be. There seems to be this perception that the media is overhyping COVID-19, and actually I think it's the opposite. I think the media hasn't really hyped up COVID-19 enough because people don't really seem to be aware of the very serious consequences of what a pandemic like this looks like. The first thing that you have to understand is whether or not you are personally impacted by it doesn't mean that somebody around you that you care about isn't going to be. Your personal risk of mortality may be very low. I know mine for a fact is, is most likely pretty low. That said, there's a good chance that a lot of the people that I come into contact with are a lot more vulnerable to this disease than I am. COVID-19 works very quickly, and there's a reason why the concept of social distancing, where people basically are going to have to shut themselves in for a few weeks, especially while we wait out this initial round of infections, is, is increasingly looking like a really viable strategy for at least containing the spread as much as possible. We don't even have a vaccine for this uh, contagion yet. This is still a fairly new virus, and it's definitely something that we haven't really seen on the kind of scale that we're seeing it here. When I was in Boston at PAX East a couple of weeks ago, I think that most people were like, oh, you know, COVID-19 is not going to be that big of a deal. It's, it's, you know, it's PAX East. We're all going to have fun. I'm not too worried about getting infected. But you know what? Just a few blocks away or maybe a few miles away, was another conference, and this conference was a like a healthcare or biotechnology conference. And somebody from a company called Biogen was actually tested positive for coronavirus, and at first it was like three or four people. As of like two days ago, that number of believed, suspected, and partially positive testing revealed 92 cases. And my guess is that the number of actual cases is significantly higher because the other people haven't been fully tested yet or haven't shown symptoms yet. So here's the thing, a lot of people are going to have COVID-19 and not know it, and that means that if you, if you are kind of of the mindset that you can just go freely and do things as you normally do, I hate to say it, but you're going to have to revise your behavioral pattern. You kind of, in some part, have a responsibility to help make sure that we aren't spreading this disease anymore. I think the important takeaway is not to completely stop living your life. That's not what people are suggesting. What I do think people are saying is if you can avoid large crowded areas like concerts, uh, conventions, any sort of public gathering where it's not really a necessity to attend, then you should probably rethink your strategy. I, you know, I have concert tickets coming up that I have to kind of sideline because I'm, you know, kind of concerned about whether or not I become infected. And if I'm a, if I become a carrier and I go make contact with folks who are vulnerable in some capacity and they get sick and they potentially die, their blood then becomes on my hands. I mean, that's that's kind of how it works. We all have a responsibility in some capacity to work together to fight this thing. It's not going to be solved by world governments. It can't be. At some point, the citizens have to step up and accept responsibility in managing our behavior, ensuring good hygiene, and really taking preventative steps to ensure that COVID-19 doesn't become any more serious than it already is. It's a health crisis. Make no mistake, COVID-19 is one of the most serious contagions that we've encountered because of how easy it is to transmit, how quickly it works, and the latent symptoms. For a lot of people, they don't recognize its threat because it's not a reality for them on a daily routine yet. But it will be. It absolutely will be, unquestionably, over the next few months. We need to be prepared to handle this as effectively as possible and as proactively as possible because by the time you recognize the threat, it's usually too late. We already have warnings and, and case scenarios um, overseas of how people have done and essentially managed to contain and treat the virus. It's not really catching on here yet, and I think that that's a mistake. I think that North Americans especially 
need to be better prepared and educate themselves on the very serious consequences of ignoring COVID-19. Too many people are quick to dismiss it because they don't want to inconvenience their own daily lifestyles, but look, the consequences of ignoring COVID-19 are going to be way more inconvenient for you and everyone else you come into contact with if you don't accept the responsibility sooner. I don't mean to end this show on a bit of a downer note, but I think it has to be said that this is the reality of the situation that we're living with, and I think that you need to be more conscious and be aware that these are going to become daily realities for all of us over the next few months. It's not here yet in the sense that we aren't facing all of the immediate consequences, but COVID-19 certainly is here, and we're going to feel it sooner or later. Stay safe, limit contact with folks as much as humanly possible, be sure to wash your hands, and practice good hygiene. Hope you guys all stay healthy and safe. Thanks for listening. Before you log off for the evening, be sure to check out the Locked On NHL National Show, which will have a couple of really fun guest appearances, including myself. As of yesterday, I believe, we tried to guess some of the Ottawa Senators' names. I can only name a few of the players. I'm sure a few of our other guest hosts can't really name anyone either. So be sure to check it out. Set your podcast to Locked On NHL, and have a great night. Go Jets go!